Dad is still drinking Starbucks at uh, the third hour of the show. I am. It's delicious. Too. Yeah. Love it. I'm Mike Rolls Very on. caffeinated today, so I feel good. Good. Yes. good. We've got Colby Covington. I That dude is on a strict diet all the time. Uh, UFC welterweight. Number one contender, according to Dana White, for Leon Edwards, even though Edwards doesn't want him. Uh, he wants Masvidal instead. Uh, I don't know if Colby would have caffeine or not. Uh, when you said strict diet, I just thought you meant like a strict diet of ass kickings. That's his diet. No, like, like he, he woke up and, you know, he, all he does today is eat celery and kick someone's ass and he's fresh out of celery. So he just goes and fights someone. I, I, That's I, what I predict with I'm going to ask Colby. UFC I think fighters. I know what Dana is trying to set up for later in the year. And I think it's smart. You have a great trash talker and uh, meeting another one that can sell a fight. That's uh, coming up in about 20 minutes. Colby will join us, Colby Covington. Um, real quick on the NFL. So what has come out of the NFL owners meetings as well today is that the Chargers are going ahead to jump into discussions. They have open contract negotiations with Justin Herbert, which after year three, you can do with any player in the NFL. But we're paying close attention to Herbert because we're also going to see Joe Burrow get paid. Jalen Hurts is going to get paid now. And of course, Lamar Jackson wants to get paid. And now the game is on for which quarterback signs first, for how much, and then the next QB gets more than that, at least in theory. But the Chargers and the Bengals don't have the, the luxury of a ton of cash on hand like some of the larger owners slash franchises would. Not every NFL owner, although they're billionaires, yes, they're not created equal in the eyes of cash on hand to put away in escrow for the guaranteed money they're going to need to pay these guys. These are also the players who can demand what Lamar Jackson is demanding and really help out, specifically QBs. But after that, it would set a precedent potentially for other positions. Not anytime soon, but I'm, I'm curious which player, which quarterback signs first and sets the new bar. It's incredible... Because we thought the bar might be set with Deshaun Watson. Right. It wasn't. And now Jimmy Haslam's having to answer questions about, hey, do you regret doing that? And he's given him basically a sorry, not sorry, yeah. about what he did. So then, you know, Mahomes, Allen, they go a different route, huge money, Massive. but not the fully guaranteed part of it. Yep. So now it's taking a different direction. So now the next expectation well, but was... But Mahomes and Allen went before. Yeah, Mahomes, Allen, then Watson. Then Watson. So now they expect, okay, Lamar Jackson's going to be the next guaranteed guy. Not going to happen. So, all right, it's Herbert, it's Burrow, and I think Herbert, Burrow are going to be more in line with Mahomes and Allen. Sure. And, and not Deshaun I mean, Watson. Look, I don't blame them. I just, I just feel like more and more this is sure. going to be Jimmy Haslam on his own Haslam Island with pilot oil and they're going to be over there saying, Hey, this is what that organization did. Oh, by the way, that organization almost never wins. And they went with a guy who was being accused by multiple massage therapists of sexual assault. And they gave that quarterback all the guaranteed money. Mm -hmm. And I don't even care if you're a model citizen, it's not going to happen. Why? Because this is the business of the national football league. And we don't give win. guaranteed money contracts. I don't care what position you play. I don't care who you are. That's what Ursay said. We don't in the NFL. That moron does with the Cleveland Browns. I'm just, this is what the league and the owners are saying. 
And they're saying that loudly by not even coming close to Lamar Jackson, offering him guaranteed money or fully guaranteed contract. And Lamar Jackson is saying that now through his rep or whoever's putting it out there, where he's basically saying, I'm not asking for fully guaranteed money now because he knows he can't get it. But he can get a lot more than what he's been offered from Baltimore. And Ursay and the Colts may be willing to do that. The reports are the Colts are, are willing to pay big money. But Ursay was quoted through Stephen Holder of ESPN saying, quote, the money's not a problem. I do believe, I, I do not believe in fully guaranteed contracts. That's coming from The Athletic. I do not believe in fully guaranteed contracts. And he's referencing, of course, Watson compared to what Jackson is wanting. Again, Justin Herbert, they're negotiating. My guess is Burrow and the Bengals will be doing that soon. And Lamar Jackson's negotiating. I, the perception is he's doing it on his own with other teams. I like to think he has an advisor. I, I really wish more that than Meek Mill, who called up Bill Belichick and uh, uh, Robert Kraft and said, "Hey, uh, Lamar wants to play for you." Yeah, I, I really wish that it, there was one reporter out there who just went to every NFL owner in the media availability and just asked one question: Do you believe in ever offering a fully guaranteed contract? No. Do you believe in offering a full? No, 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 no. And it would get all the way down to Jimmy Haslam awkwardly talking about how that's the price of business for him. Well, and he's sorry, but he's not sorry. And he'd be the lone ranger that would have said yes, because he's done it. How, how many, how many owners said, you know what? We're, we're not in the bidding for Lamar Jackson an hour after the, uh, the news came that they could be. And how many are apparently backtracking through quotes from coaches and GMs this week. Several. And how... So Dan Snyder's unpredictable. Imagine if he just gave the fully guaranteed money on the way out and then sold the franchise. That would be really funny. <laughs> As just a big middle finger to all of his fellow owners yeah. on the way out. Yes. You know, Jimmy Haslam's not alone. I actually do believe in <laughs> guaranteed contracts. I think it's good for the future health of this league that we start offering our best and brightest quarterbacks... Fully guaranteed contracts. In fact, I'm going to go Lamar right now. We're going to offer him fully guaranteed money. And also, once we do that, team's still for sale. Yep. <laughs> Who wants to inherit this? And now there's two quarterbacks making guaranteed money. That would be really funny. Bradley Bill is uh, a Wizards guard. He's reportedly being investigated by police after an incident involving a group of fans at a recent game. He's accused of knocking off a fan's hat. Uh, off his head, a hat off the head of a fan after words were exchanged between this group and Bill. Uh, the fan allegedly yelled out, you F me out of $1,300, you F, as Bill was uh, was leaving the, the court against the Magic. I Who believe. hasn't yelled that at someone before, though? Yeah. Come on. 1300 though. That's a lot to bet on NBA. That's a game. lot of money. Maybe he's robbing banks like the gambler in Kansas City that's also the super fan. That's how he gambles. That's his side hustle. He heard this and then allegedly walked over, engaged this fan in conversation or argument. I'm sure had some words for the group and then knocked the hat off the fan. Is it a crime to knock someone's hat off their head? Is that technically assault? I guess so, yeah. This is where we need a legal expert on standby at all times just to answer our legal, our stupid legal questions. Well, it's like battery, I think, is what he's charged. He's not charged with anything. They're investigating potential battery. Like, I mean, the process, you're not touching the person but you're touching an accessory. So if you did that, I mean, I guess it'd be the same. Like if I walked up, if someone's wearing a necklace and I ripped the necklace off your neck, yeah, that would be assault in some way, I would think. Maybe so, it's the same thing. 
Davey's, uh, Davey's been to law school. Davey, your yeah. thoughts Davey, on go a, ahead. Your, your thoughts on an adult um, having this investigated after a hat knock that was knocked off his head. So a battery is the offensive touching of one another. So if like I came up to you, Chad, and I hit you, you could get me for battery. The assault comes in if you're putting like a reasonable apprehension of fear. Uh, so that's usually why you hear them combined together, like assault and battery. I would love to hear um, just the argument for how me knocking a hat off someone would not present fear to someone well, else. But also like, like just the, the semantics of, well, you know, it's, it, it was playful. Right, I thought it was a joke. I was knocking the hat off to be playful. It wasn't a threat. But, uh, uh, the jackass law also applies here. Yeah. Um, if you're going to shout that to a player, I would. I mean, you deserve more than that, quite honestly. Uh, if you're going to yell that about uh, as a guy walks off the court, I mean, you're saying that hoping to get his attention, and then when you do, don't touch me. Yeah. This it also falls. I like how you put it. The jackass clause in this, yeah. but. It's also just be a man. I mean, at some point, if you're going to yell at someone and they're going to turn around and knock your hat off, yeah. You're, uh, yeah. Like if you want to go to blows with a professional athlete, by all means, have at it. You're probably not going to like the outcome of that, whoever this fan is that shouted that. But if I yell something and I call Bradley Beal a, a bleep and talk about him losing me money and he just knocks my hat off my head, I feel blessed at the end of that exchange. That doesn't seem like a bad exchange at all to me. Okay, well, that yeah. was funny. He came over, we had words, he knocked the hat off my head uh, and walked away. That's not bad, but you're going to sue over this? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you Come one on. thing. No one's going to yell anything at John ja Morant. He's got people in the stands that'll take care of you. Yeah, he's just pointing to his, his buddies and pointing up, you know, up to the mezzanine level. Yeah. If someone yelled at him and sending him up that way. Yeah, there are a lot of tough guys that talk trash and then... I always think of Keith Bullock, Chad. These guys don't want to fight. These guys These don't want to fight. These guys don't want to fight. At a Christmas party, a bunch of adults, a little bit too much alcohol was had. A buddy got into an altercation. Uh, they were He was getting punched into bushes but, out in front of the house, and Keith Bullock walked right out after the fight was ending and just said, he had my back. But he said, no, these guys don't want to fight, and walked right back in. Everybody can relate to this. There's always someone that needs their ass kicked. Yeah. You know? That guy needs his ass kicked for saying this. Like, like, and instigating, but not, not for just saying it, but for actually having the police investigate this based on having the hat knocked off your head. Let me take it a step further. I would advocate that if your buddy is the one that needs his ass kicked, mm -hmm. you let them get at least one good punch in before you start to pull him out of the fight. There, you don't have to automatically jump in for a friend who is doing something to get his ass kicked. And if you know deep down, that he deserves that whipping, mm -hmm. then you let him take one punch. I'm not saying let guys dogpile him and punch him when they're down and do all that. He's your buddy. But if one punch gets in, maybe a shove to the ground, then you jump in, wait a beat, don't just immediately intervene. I'm all for that. I think that's what you have to do sometimes and to teach them a lesson. He's also betting on the NBA, and you know my rule about this. You don't have to watch the NBA until the final three minutes of a game. That's when the game actually begins. The final three minutes of an NBA regulation fourth quarter matchup. That's when the game begins in the NBA. So if you're placing your money down prior to that, that's a true gamble. That's on you. Well, maybe he waited into the last three minutes and then Bradley Bill missed a couple shots late. He bet the money maybe. line oh, okay. late. That's fair. And that lost the $1,300 for him. And that's why he's going up and yelling to him.
Maybe, maybe so, Chad. Well, here's just a better thing. I should give, just this, I should give this guy the benefit of the doubt. When you're, you have to understand that if you're in shouting distance of someone and you yell something at them, they, are, them. they are a human being that possesses the ability to hear. So this is not you shouting at your TV at home. So whatever happens, the repercussions that take place, I'm not advocating athletes walking into the crowd and just you know hospitalizing someone because they say bad things to them at a game. But if you do that, you have to understand there is a possibility this person is not going to like me and get very angry about the mean things I'm saying to them, and oh yes, they can hear me, and then something bad might happen to me. Mm. I'm not condoning anything that an athlete does, but knocking someone's hat off does not constitute a lawsuit after you said this to them. Now, there's there's a difference in what we're saying. What Willie McGinnis did on that video where apparently, you know, he takes this bottle and hits it over the, it clocks this guy. I was amazed that the guy uh, actually got up and walked away from this beatdown. But apparently the argument started over Utah and USC and their matchup. Because, you know, you have McGinnis who played at USC and Utah that, you know, had, had its way with the Trojans in the Pac-12 championship game. And, and, didn't, and it, then the beatdown ensued with a group of people and this one guy. And he now faces felony charges, and rightfully so for it. And I feel like McGinnis the next day or right after said, you know, this, I'm, I apologize to my family and friends, and, you know, not character, it's not characteristic of me and my personality, and, you know, the truth's going to come out. I feel like there was some statement like, oh, people are going to understand when they hear what this guy said. And it's all in video. Or the history, you know, before this happened. If this is it, the guy had a crack to him about... That started with that. I don't know where it... Where did it went, go from went, there? Yeah, where I did mean, it go from there but, to end up with him punching the guy in the face and then bashing his head with a, a glass bottle? I don't know. So this is a case where, first off, this guy is going to get paid. The guy who was attacked this way by McGinnis. I oh, think this, he's going to get paid big. But there are criminal charges here. He faces a felony oh, no, no doubt. But I'm saying from the lawsuit standpoint, because he's suing the venue too, this club in West Hollywood or wherever they were. Um, and he's suing saying they have a history of protecting celebrities, that they can walk in there and do whatever they want to yeah. anyone in that place. That Delilah. And if you watch the video though, people are slow to react. I don't see security running over. I don't see anything happening, but people standing there just eating their hors d'oeuvres and watching this guy get bashed in the head with a bottle and beaten nearly to death by Willie McGinnis. So not that you know, there's not a good Samaritan part of this where the patrons of this club had to get up and do something to Willie McGinnis. I think someone should have just to be a decent human, but I didn't see security rushing in either when this was going down. So he may have a case and the biggest, against the club as the well. The biggest shock to me is the guy actually gets up and walks out of camera uh, view where you can't see him. All caught on video, and it allegedly started based on the football matchup between USC and Utah. He took that hit the way you did from Delaney Walker Thank on the you. sideline where you just bounced right back up after getting steamrolled unknowingly on the sideline. Yeah. Only broke one thing, my pencil. That was it. A miracle. It was as Chris Rock said about his uh, slap from Will Smith. You, you took that punch like Floyd Mayweather and just kept on going. Better than it was the impressive. guy that made the $1,300 quip to Bradley Beal? Yeah. He probably hit the deck after his hat was knocked <laughs> off his head. Probably was on the ground. Uh, our next guest has put some guys out. Colby Covington from the UFC. He's the number one contender for the welterweight 
championship and the title in the UFC against Leon Edwards. We'll preview that matchup and we'll see if this is actually something that's going to happen because right now the champ is Edwards and he doesn't want this fight. That's next on Hot Mike. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Glad you're with us. So, Chad, I've got a theory on a prediction on what Dana White is trying to set up here as the promoter of the UFC, right? Okay. Our next guest. Let's go into the mind of Dana White right now, Hutton. Let us know. Leon Edwards, um, I'm a UFC fan. I don't think he sells fights very well. He's the champion. This is his little run now uh, after knocking off Usman. He's won the title. Welterweight division, 170 pounds. And Colby Covington is ranked number one or number two uh, right behind him. And has fought Masvidal and Usman recently. And next up would be Leon Edwards, who I don't believe he's fought. And he's right there for title contention. He was a backup uh, fighter. He made weight over in, uh, in Europe most recently for UFC 286. But fighting at 170 is key here because Conor McGregor is likely moving up. I don't know if they've announced the, the weight yet, but I believe it's going to be at 170 against Michael Chandler. And if McGregor wins that fight and Colby is the champion at 170, I think they're going to put Connor against Colby later this year. I'm all for and this. And that will sell. All for it. That will sell. Uh, Colby Covington joins us here on Hot Mike. Colby, I don't know how much of that you heard, but I think that's kind of the line of thinking for the UFC. Do you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and, you know, it's about doing the biggest and best business that we can do for this company. You know, I'm a company man. You know, I know Connor's a company man. He wants to make the company money that did so much for him and gave him opportunities that he never would have had otherwise. So, you know, if that's the the way it's headed, you know, I I can't wait to do it. By the way, I'm I'm disappointed because uh, whenever I'm watching your interviews, you've got these $30,000 gold chains. You've got the Rolex watch (laughs) on. Uh, you've got silk on with uh, Michael Bisbing. What are you? Uh, are you ripping us off here by not putting on the full uh, the the full money necklaces and everything else you have? Yeah, I, I thought this was a PG. <laughs> I thought this was a PG rated show, so you know I didn't want to offend any viewers of of uh, the podcast. Okay, all good, all good. It's like Colby ABC Family over here. You That's know, right. it's all like uh, sitcoms on Saturday morning and cartoons, so it's perfect. I can't wait to find out how you censor this. Uh, so, Leon Edwards is the champ. He apparently doesn't want to fight you because he wants Masvidal. Your thoughts, and ultimately, what's the real reason behind the reason, why he is saying, hey, I don't, I don't want Colby yet? Yeah, uh, Leon Scott, a.k.a. Edward Scissorhands, because he likes to poke people in the eye. He's a cheater. He can't fight straight up. So, you know, he he just sounds afraid. You know, he he had a golden opportunity to sell this fight, you know, to mumble because we know he can't talk. You hear in his interviews and and he's like, the guy's mumbling. It's like he's got marbles in his mouth. So, you know, it's just the guy was afraid to call, you know, his shot and he was going to get the biggest opportunity of his life and he blew it. So, he thinks he runs this company that just sold for $4.5 billion. You think they came to Leon and were like, oh, Leon, what, what, does it matter what you think to sell it? No, 
The company does not care about Leon Edwards. If he doesn't show up to this title fight, he will be stripped. So, you know, he thinks he runs the show and is going to call the shots around the business of the UFC. No, that's Dana White's job. I know why he wants Masvidal, because they've got beef dating back a couple years. That's, that's fair. But you do make the most sense based on recent fights in the division. And if you end up holding the belt, I don't know what is more obvious than Connor. Uh, if he wants to move up, because Connor's beefed up. I, it's hard to believe he, he fought at 145 at one point in his career and was the champion there. Yeah, you know, there's there's two different options for Leon Scott, Edward Scissorhands, to fight Jorge Street, Judas Masvidal. One is he can come get his butt whooped by me this summer, and I'll take his belt, and he can go fight Masvidal on the prelims, because that's what Masvidal is, a prelim fighter. You know, I 50-44 in a soda to him. You know, he's done. You know, you could tell I took his soul. He's not the same man. He's out there doing stupid things in the street, committing felonies. So, you know, Leon can fight George two different ways, boys. He can come show up and fight me this summer and lose his title and he can go fight him on the prelims. Or he can just vacate the belt and it's the next man up. But I'm telling you guys, I am fighting for the undisputed gold this summer. You know, what I've done for this business is, is... you know, it's it's remarkable. No one else has came close to doing the things that I've done that made the history I've made. So I can't wait to win this undisputed belt this summer. And I hope it's going to be Edward Scissorhands, but I don't know if he'll show up. He sounds a little scared. Donald Trump's favorite fighter, Colby Covington, with us on Hot Mike on the Outkick Network. Did you make money or lose money when you publicly supported Donald Trump? Um, I definitely lost a lot of money. You know, a lot of sponsors, they dropped me and they didn't want anything to do with me. And then obviously on social media, I've lost a lot of social media presence. You know, I've been censored and, you know, they took me out of the algorithm on on all the social media platforms, took away hundreds of thousands of my followers. So, you know, it is what it is. That's 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 going to be expected, you know, with what he's fighting against. So it's OK. I don't, it doesn't matter to me about the money. I'm, I'm supporting what I truly believe in and uh, someone that speaks for the people and He's the only he's the only person that's going to put this country first again. So, you know, I don't really care if I lose sponsorships. Donald Trump's my man. He's my favorite president. He's the greatest president of all time. And, and I'll go down fighting with him to the grave. Ariel Hawani has said that the one fighter, whenever they would re- record with with you at ESPN, when Ariel was there, they always made him record your interviews, not do anything live on his show based on what could be in your background or what your topics were going to cover. Is that true? <laughs> um, there's definitely probably a little bit of truth to, to that, which which is surprising because that journalist you're talking about is a fake news reporter and he doesn't spew any, you know, truthful rhetoric. So, you know, you can't really believe what that guy says. But, you know, we know that ESPN, you know, it's, it's all love. I love the ESPN team and everything they do, but they're not aligned with, uh, you know, Trump and the MAGA movement. So. You know, that it is what it is, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, I have a, a good buddy in entertainment who is a Trump supporter who says that he never wants to be outed as a Trump supporter because he needs jobs from L.A. and he won't get them anymore if that were to be public. Uh, and I, I guess I can sympathize with that. I also look at your position, Colby, and I see Dana White spoke at the Republican National Convention. So I, I'm guessing it didn't hurt you within the company but you're saying it did hurt from a sponsorship standpoint? Um, yeah, definitely hurt from a sponsorship standpoint. And uh, I've lost a lot of friends and, and close people to me who I thought were friends because, you know, they, they can't agree to disagree and have indifferent of politics. So, you know, it, it, 
You know, it really just showed me the true colors of the world, like like how people can just judge someone just off of what they they believe in politically. Oh, it's, I have a different opinion than them. So oh, I'm just I'm a racist person or oh, I'm just this bad person because, you know, I don't believe exactly the same way as them. So it's sad. It's despicable the way people act these days. And and, uh, you know, it's luckily Dana White is a Republican and he believes in that. But, you know, there is, you know, some ESPN and, and some of the, the investors in the UFC that don't like him. So, you know, it's all love. I, I, I don't hate, you know, liberals just because they think different than me. I, I can agree to disagree. You can have a different viewpoint than me and we can still, you know, sit at the table and have a, a civilized talk. I believe you. Do you still represent yourself? Yep. I'm self-represented. I self-manage myself. I, I cut away my managers about three or four years ago. I just, there's no point in them. You know, I, I think you can have a better relationship with your company, the UFC, who I love so much, just by talking directly to them. You know, why have a manager who's a middleman? Like, I don't need a middleman going because then I'm not going to get transparency. I'm not going to get to hear what's really going on with my career and what the UFC brass is actually saying to me. So as soon as I cut them out and realize that I can give a a bigger percentage to the people that actually get me ready, my trainers, my training partners, you know, people that help me get ready for my fights. It's really helped my relationship with the UFC and they know where I stand and they know how serious I am. And it's just, it's a beautiful family. How interested are you in running for public office one day? I'm extremely interested in running for public office and being a public servant someday. You know, everybody knows I love the fight and, you know, I've earned everything with these bare hands themselves. So I love to, you know, be fighting for the people for once and, and go to bat for them. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, cower to the woke mafia. I'm not going to let them, you know, get me off of what I believe in and in the Republican way. So, you know, hopefully someday you see me in politics after I'm done winning world titles in the UFC. Colby Covington with us here on Hype Mike across the, the Outkick Network. So you, is the pay the same if they fly you in to be the backup in case someone misses weight or has to go to the hospital based on trying to cut weight? Because you did this recently at 286 where you would have filled in for either Usman or for Edwards. Is it the same deal? You make weight, you get that pay? Yep. It's, you know, it's the same thing. You make the weight, you get paid as, as the, the backup fighter. And, you know, then, then you renegotiate from there if you end up stepping into the main event role to fight. So, you know, that would have been a whole different uh, contract in itself than just the contract just to weigh in and be the backup fighter. So, man, the UFC takes such great care of the, the fighters. And, you know, I just, I'm so thankful to be a part of the UFC family. I, you know, I'm the ultimate company, man. I, you know, I care so much about this company. I just want to do the best business for this company that I love so much. It's changed my life and afforded me the chance to live the American dream. Chad, he sells these fights and, he does it brilliantly because he gets under the skin of these fighters based on what he calls them. You've already mentioned Leon Edwards. You call him what? His, he's more known for Leon Scott than he is Le Leon Edwards, but he's developed the new nickname, Edward Scissorhands, because all he does is poke people in the eyes. He's a cheater. He's got no integrity. Like, I'm the next contender in line. Stop downplaying this. You don't make the decision in the UFC. Come take this fight or drop the belt, and that's okay, too. So... His new name is Edward Scissorhand for all that cheating, poking people in the eye. Kamaro Usman. Marty Fake Newsman. <laughs> you know, one of the biggest <laughs> cheaters in the game. You know, you can see the CEO of EPO. You know, everybody knows he's been doing EPO and he has a chemical imbalance in his body. He's got all these 
sits and pimples over his face and his back. I mean, that's a chemical imbalance, guys. That's not, you're not going to have that when you're in your mid thirties and you've already hit maturity and, and went through puberty. So the guy's a clear cheater, I, but it doesn't matter. I beat him in Madison Square Garden two Novembers ago, November 2021. The people know I won that fight. I'm the undisputed. I'm undefeated. I'm the people's champ, America's Trump, America's champ, Donald Trump's favorite fighter. So, you know, now it's on to Leon Edward Scott. It's going to be a repeat of 1776. Jorge Masvidal. Street Judas. You know, the, <laughs> the biggest, you know, just traitor for for money that you'll ever see in the history of this sport. The guy just completely turned his back on the only person that was actually real to him and and sacrificed, you know, my own career to help train him and, and prepare him for his fights. So, you know, he turned he, you know, he he stuck a fork in the back of the only real friend that he had. So, you know, that's why he's the street Judas. But that's why I gave him the 5044 in a soda. King of Miami, baby. I hope we see that again because the the lead up to that fight was awesome. Uh Hamzat Shamayev. Oh man, that's uh, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on this on this podcast, so you know, I won't go there. Okay. You know, I'll just say that he looks like a dog face, and uh, you know, we call him the cum shot. <laughs> Colby Cummings is with us. I, I I put the ball to the tee there on purpose. Thank you, uh, uh, Colin, um, Chad. That uh, again. The trash talk between this guy and Connor is going to be epic. When did you learn, or did did you have to learn, that being able to promote a fight and sell a fight and do what you just did was important to your career? Because most athletes in team sports, it can help them along the way, get endorsements and different things, but it's not a necessity to their career. In in your line of work, it's it's become a necessity. It certainly helps. When did you learn that? Yeah, I learned that when, you know, I kind of heard Dana White and the UFC brass talk that, hey, you need to come, you know, you're independent contractors. You guys need to come, you know, your own self-marketer, your self-promoter and go out there and, and do it when, you know, the UFC can't, you know, because they they, don't, they only can do it for so many fighters, you know, that are fighting in the main event championship fights. So to get to that point, you need to build yourself, become a star on your own. Don't depend on the company to make you a star. You need to become a star on your own. So that's what I was able to do. And and, you know, it's been the best decision that I've ever made. Luckily for me, you know, I, I had a great background in Oregon with a friend of mine, Chael Sonnen, who got me into MMA. So, you know, he was able to help me in the beginning and just make me understand what this game is all about. And make no mistake about it. It's not a game. It's not a sport. This is a business. And it's about making the most money for this business and, and doing good business. If you were not fighting, if you were, were not in the UFC, what would you be doing? Um, I would definitely probably be coaching of some sort in wrestling or another sport. I'm, you know, I love all sports, but, you know, I, I'm passionate about giving back to the next generation of kids that are coming up that want to chase their dreams and fulfill their potential in life. So, you know, I, I was able to reach some great heights in my career. I've, I've done, you know, everything there is to do. So now I want to pass on the mindset and the mentality that it takes to get to this point, to the next generation. When are we going to see you fight for the for the title against Edwards? Is it this summer? Can it be? Can it be sooner than that based on I know you you walk around basically what 10 pounds over your weight for when you you need to weigh in. Not every fighter does that. You're one that's ready to go at any time. So do you have to wait until the summer or can it be sooner? Of course I don't want to have to wait for the summer. I wish it could have happened yesterday. You know, there's a reason I flew out to London on a Tuesday night, you know, flew in and got there on two days to go before the fight. And I was ready to fight either one of those schmucks on a moment's notice. So 
You know, the UFC knows how real and down I am about it. I'm ready to go right now. I wish it was today or tomorrow. Of course, Leon Edwards' scissor hands is going to delay the inevitable. So he's going to try and push it back as long as he can. But he's going to realize that he doesn't call the shots in this multi-billion dollar company. You know, the, the big bosses, you know, Dana White, they're the one that called the shots. And he's calling the shot. This fight is going down this summer, hopefully July 8th, International Fight Week. Colby Chaos Covington, America's champion, the champion of the people, Donald Trump's favorite fighter. It's coming for, I can't even call it London's favorite fighter because you saw the ovation in London. They were all cheering, Colby, Colby, and they were screaming, get on the feet for me. So Edward Scissorhands, come get this. America's champ this summer, July 8th, International Fight Week. I'll see you boys on pay-per-view. How does the fight go with Connor and Chandler? Yeah, I, I think uh, Connor sparks him. You know, Connor is not someone you take lightly, and people are counting him out. He He's far from out. You can tell that guy's been training extremely hard, you know, and, and he's unpredictable. Look at the things he's done as a fighter. No one thought he was going to knock out Aldo in under 10 seconds. You know, he's, you know, knock out Alvarez in Madison Square Garden. The guy's unpredictable, and, and you know, you can't take that guy lightly. I think he's going to spark Chandler, and it's going to set up the biggest fight in UFC history, Conor McGregor versus Colby Covington. And it won't be in London because, I mean, you, you – you said you were getting the chance because you were representing the people there because you hate the food and the and the uh, the weather, I believe. That's exactly right. That weather was not fun to be around, especially coming from Miami where it's just beautiful <laughs> blue skies, you know, beautiful uh, sand on the beach and Mama Cita's all around. So the food was awful. It made the experience alone just terrible. I mean, they must not get like, they must not do farming out there or get the right type of stuff on the boats because their food was just nasty. I'll, I'll never go back. So if I if, if Connor wants to do this in Dublin, he wants to do this in Ireland, you know, I got like 30% Irish in me. So let's go do it. I'll go fight for the people of Ireland. And of course, the, the place that I represent the most, the red, white, and blue that gave me it all. God bless America. God bless the troops. And God bless the Trumps, baby. MAGA 24. Who's his running mate in 24? Man, there's a lot of there's a lot of good potential candidates out there. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to see him with Christy Noam. I think she would be a great candidate to be vice president. But you know, there's a lot of great options. You you just never know. We'll see who he ends up going with. It'll be interesting. The first and I believe only UFC champ to go to the White House uh, and and visit with the president in the Oval Office. One one takeaway from behind the scenes at the White House or the Oval Office, other than than meeting the president, would be what what. What did you see? You're like, oh, wow, this is this is unbelievable. Just the way they run business and how everything's done there, all these senators coming there to try and get these bills and laws passed. And it's just it's incredible. You know, it's just, you, you know, all the, the security detail along with the Secret Service there is just it's immaculate. And then just seeing how everything's run together was just it was a dream come true for a little kid that came from Thurston, Springfield, Oregon. You know, I, I was never supposed to be in the Oval Office hanging out with the sitting president or going again with the, the president on election night where it was the biggest robbery in election history, where we know the, the it was a rigged election. You know, they, they there was a lot of harvest ballots or ballot harvesting and there was a lot of corrupt things that went on during that last election. So now, you know, it's about correcting those things, bringing back America, making America first again. And, and Donald Trump's coming back to fight for us. So I can't wait. We'll see Colby Covington fight against Leon Edwards at some point, maybe by uh, the summer, International Fight Week, for the welterweight belt. And then we get a chance to see a super fight later in the year, potentially, based on the results of McGregor and Chandler. Colby, great to, to chat with you, man. Keep up the, the great work and uh, best of luck as uh, 
you've got the fight coming up for sure. And then after that with your career. I appreciate that. Good luck to you guys in your career as well. Nothing but love, respect, and, and, and many blessings. Thanks for keeping Thank it man. mostly clean. We yeah. appreciate that. Well done. Thank you. You can do it. There's Col- Colby Covington there. Uh, Doesn't even need representation for that. He said, I can keep it clean. He did it. That's why he doesn't have management. Oh, that, it's funny. They, he can't hold back on the uh, Chemayev reference, which I love. I think it's hilarious. Chad, you didn't know that, right? The name? I, I had no idea. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I, I, I knew one name that you mentioned, not even the nicknames of them. So that was all news to me. You'll be watching him, though. Colby oh, Covington. Yeah. He'll I'm be a big back fan on. Now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we go from Colby Covington to Afro Man, who's being sued for, I mean, a ridiculous reason. That's next on Hot Mike on the Outkick Network. Afro man bringing us back on hot mic. He's being sued by police officers that raided his home uh, because he's referenced them, and the he, he's referenced them and, in, a, in a new song. And he's he's also referenced like specific parts of the raid in his. Oh, not just referencing. He's playing video well, of the raid and of the cops' faces. In his music videos. But it's it's there. It's specific to what was on camera and what they did in his home. And he's being sued because Look, I, the, so, the emotional distress, embarrassment, ridicule, loss of reputation, and humil- humiliation on the, uh, on the footage. I support the police, okay? Uh, I, you know, yesterday was a great example of police acting in a heroic way that most people would never act on. Right. And I... I love that. In a split second. In a split second. A great example of that. And I'm a supporter of of the police. But this story is just really, really funny from from Afro Man. And the police didn't find anything. So they served a warrant. They went to his house. They found nothing incriminating. No charges were pressed. So if the police are in your home, searching through your home, they find nothing. And you're Afro Man and you decide to film the police finding nothing... And then you include it in your latest music video. Well, they—that's sort of next level by Afro Man. They had uh, a probable cause to search based on a kidnapping that had taken place, or allegedly taken place. Well, he didn't do it though. No, but, but on the property. Yeah. No, they had a legitimate warrant to come in and knock no, down the and door. No and charges search. were ever filed. Yeah. Right. Plus, they you know drugs and other things. But yeah, maybe he's got everything on camera and he's using it. And How shocked were you that? a full raid of Afro man's residence took place and they didn't find anything incriminating. I know I'm thinking, man, this guy really just sells the Um, life well as an artist and really isn't about that life. If they couldn't find anything big, uh, big boy from outcast once came and played, um, after a football game, who we saw in new Orleans before the Super Bowl, And I've got a a great story there, which we can tell the next time we have an outcast story. But I, I believe the last time I told the big boy story, you also have an Afro Man story. So Afro Man uh, was, I mean, Afro Man's been around for a while because... Yeah, how old is this guy? My sophomore year in college uh, was 2001, 2002-ish, to date myself. And we had Afro Man play a fraternity party one time. 
And I remember this is, you know, I'm at this time, I think I'm living in the fraternity house. And I remember talking with the leadership of the fraternity and going through <laughs> the rates of different bands, right? Like if you wanted Guster to come play, it was like 20 grand Guster. or something ridiculous. Classic I'm making that band. up. I don't, I don't know that Guster would play a frat house. I think they were, they were graduated past that at this Outcast point. Outcast was 80,000. So, yes, and that's Outcast. But Afro Man was a huge hit on college campuses. I want to say Afro Man was ten or $15,000 to play a band party, to play a frat house. And that was like the white whale of band you could get, of <laughs> entertainment at the time. Because everyone knew the song that we played coming back from break. Everyone loved Afro Man. And I remember seeing that figure at that age, at 19, 20 years old, and thinking, do we actually have $10,000 in this fraternity? And I'm thinking, yeah, with the dues that are paid, we probably easily have that. But I remember the discussions about budgeting for Afro Man and what we would need to do around that to bring him in for ten or $15,000. And we did. And it was one heck of a party when Afro Man oh, was there. No doubt. We didn't have the biggest like stage area or, you know, uh, crowd area for a for a frat party for a frat house at the time. Yeah, completely Afro-Man, completely new house has been matter. put there now. But I remember Afro Man there, and I remember thinking like his Afro like almost extended to each side of the stage <laughs> when he was in front of me, and it was magical to see. I was like, I'm looking over, I'm walking down the stairs, the frat house from my room, and I'm hanging out. I'm like, there's Afro Man in my home right now playing a private show. For this fraternity and friends of the fraternity. Big boy from Outcast was the only one from Outcast to show. 80,000 rain or shine to show. He shows. They're in like the fourth song. And you, you just hear a track of Andre 3000. Um, he sees lightning in the, in the very distant of the hills of Tennessee. It, not even within range to postpone a game. And he points at the lightning. He's like, sorry guys, got to go in uh, because of the, uh, the... We could, you know, die on stage. And... He's gone. He's gone. There's no coming back after the storm. He took his 80 grand, four songs, peace. Amazing. I respect that, honestly. For a university to pay 80 grand, rain or shine, it should be split 40-40 or something. There's got to be a, a weather clause in it where you get like you so much of it, yes, you're going to get paid to show up. But if you don't perform, it's, it's a different amount. And also imagine someone as entourage just at the top of the stadium <laughs> with like Binoculars, oh, just, looking down the horizon, and he's yeah. just looking for one sign of of lightning. I don't even know if there. And was if he lightning. gets that one bit of lightning, they just you know they hit a pager down low at this time. And it's okay, time to go guys. Party. We gotta go. Let's get back to the bus. We got something burning on that bus right now. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> that's that's the one guy's job. Is you're on weather patrol tonight. If you see just any lightning, we are done. There's gonna be no outcast here in Murfreesboro. I love that. that uh, it doesn't shock me though that. You know, they're looking for that, though. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Get your four in and take it. We saw Outcast open for Lil Wayne in New Orleans at a Budweiser party, Bud yeah. Light party. Yeah. And I think that Big Boy, it was just Big Boy, not Andre 3000. That's right. But he was awesome. But Hutton, I think he played. He was the last act before Lil Wayne took the stage, and it was a solid two and a half hours before, before Lil Wayne emerged at 2.30 <laughs> a.m., I don't know. I, wasn't I mean, I'm being at the time. conservative. It was the latest stage yeah. arrival that I've ever seen or will ever see. And on on the rundown for the show, he was scheduled. I, I saw it. He was scheduled for 9 p.m. They backed everything I mean, up. It was yeah, and, and I think the the opening opening act took the stage at 11, and he was supposed to be on stage at nine. It was yes. incredible, uh, but worth it.
Oh, we stuck around. We uh, we took it in. <laughs> Lil Wayne's a huge sports guy. He was on FaceTime with the Miami women's basketball team after they won. He's playing in Nashville soon, right? Yeah, we need to get Lil Wayne in studio. That can happen. It's on my that's on my bucket list. Jack can make it happen. We've actually got We've actually Jack. reached out to someone close yeah. to Lil Wayne, and we're trying to make it happen. Yeah. That'd be big. We'll lead the show with it. Be big for me. Yep. Join us on right social. out of the gates. Lil that's Wayne right. joins us. No doubt. Uh, and you can join us in person here. Six of the Peabody with Yeehaw, Beer, and Old Smoky Moonshine. Back at it tomorrow. Join us for the Wednesday edition, 3 o'clock Eastern, across the Outkick Network. And so I thank, I thank all of you. And I am because you are.